Hi everyone, we are delighted to be back to the second episode of the Science Inc. podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Evonik Animal Nutrition and will cover a variety of themes related to sustainability in the animal protein industry. My name is Fazi Adam, I'm Director of Sustainability at Evonik Animal Nutrition and I'm your podcast host for today. And on this episode, I'm really, really excited to welcome Valter Bruins as our guest for today. Valter is the co-founder of InOvo, a company that has developed technology to detect the sex of a chick before it's hatched, while it's still inside the egg. During the process of breeding layer hens for egg production, the male chicks are culled as they cannot lay eggs and they can't be used for meat production. But this technology means that eggs can be disposed of safely before the live chick is hatched. Um, so this is a really exciting technology to improve animal welfare in the industry. And I'm so excited to have Valter, the co-founder of Innovo, here to talk to us today about it. So welcome, Valter. Hi, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm Valter. I'm, I'm Dutch. I'm 30, uh, 38 years old um, and I'm a biology per training. And, and I, I actually started Innovo during my studies uh, back in 2011. I was doing a master's in, in the cellular biology. So I was studying biology and, and actually that had nothing to do with, with, with poultry. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a cell biologist, right? So uh, uh, I studied uh, cellular biology, so looking at very small things, essentially. Um, and during my studies, I, um, uh, I saw quite a lot of entrepreneurs around me. There's a, a large biotech uh, park around me, actually. Um, and I saw people that were capable of, of working in biology but actually doing many other things as well, building teams uh, and actually quite, quite making quite an impact. Um, so during my studies at some point, I figured, okay, I don't have the experience, but I would love to do, have a job like that, essentially. Uh, right. Why not start a business? And, and looking back, that was relatively naive, but I'm still <laughs> very happy that I did, right? Uh, because uh, back then, in 2011, in the area here, most people starting businesses were like 45 years old, had lots of mm. experience, and then maybe they would start a company. And I, I was I was relatively young. Um, and, the, and the way I actually went about it is uh, I, I took it very serious to find something to work on. Uh, right. I, I went out and spoke to a lot of people. Uh, so uh, actually my dentist, doctors, I went to a flower auction close by. And mm. what I asked these people is I'm a biology student. I'm looking for a problem to solve. Maybe uh, maybe have some issues I, I can work on. And okay. that's actually how I got into this. I, I, I found a chicken farmer. That chicken farmer had loads of issues. He was very open about it. And he was looking for a solution. And one of them was yeah, the, the, the male chick calling. He saw that as a, as a big issue. So that's really, really interesting for me that you sort of came to this first with a very strong entrepreneurial spirit, really wanting to sort of build, build your own business, solve a, a big sort of societal challenge, rather than coming from, as you mentioned, the more traditional route with the long industry experience before, before founding your own company. I mean, how do you think that shaped the way that Innovo has developed? Well, um, of course, one of the, the downsides of this is that you don't have credibility, right? So if you have a lot of experience and credibility, it comes along with that, right? If, if you've done a, a good job. Uh, mm -hmm. But I would say that uh, it gave us the, 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 the situation in which we could be a sort of a fly on the wall. Because I, I knew nothing about the industry. So I mm -hmm. talked very openly to people. I think a lot of people in the industry thought about us as these aliens that came in, right, from outside. 
But they mm-hmm. might like these aliens, right? Because we were relatively friendly, we were students, we were not not a, a big threat, right? So that was good. Yeah. Um, and I, at some point, I had one of my my business coaches. I had quite some mentors, basically. Uh, one of some of these experienced people actually helped me a lot, right? So, uh, but mm-hmm. um, who basically told me like Alexander the Great conquered uh, half the known world at 21. So. Yeah, you're actually kind of old because when I started, I was like 25, 26. So uh, I think you should be able to do it, right? So I, I quite liked it. On the other hand, yeah. Yeah, you lack, I had a lack of experience in business and, and IP and stuff like that. So we had to learn along the way. But to be honest, I think there's there's no real real school that can, can teach you all of these things, right? Mm. So especially in the beginning with a company, you're very small. I had a, a business partner called Will. And yeah. we, we did everything. And the two of us. So we had to do the marketing, the business, the science, everything uh, with the two of us. So uh, to be honest, I, I think it, it's not a big advantage to do it 20 years down the line. I think it's 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 fine to start young with these things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, there's the, there's a world of difference between sort of learning these things, you know, on, on paper and, and doing it in practice. I mean, what do you think that the company would have been very different if perhaps you, you'd done this later in, in your career? How, how do you think that might have affected its development? Well, also keep in mind that if you do it later, one of the, the things that happens is that they, you get very eager for results. Uh, mm. Students back then, so we didn't expect much. We were okay with, with uh, very lengthy conversations and stuff like that, which is part of, of this, right? So. Anyone starting a company like this, after, I would I would urge to say, okay, you take a year in which you actually analyze, figure out what the problem is really about, what the solution is about, before you actually start doing a lot of the work. But if you have a mortgage and kids and whatever, I mm-hmm. think it, 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 it's harder to be as patient, right? Yeah. So back then, my, my burn rate, my personal burn rate was very low. I was living yeah. in a very small apartment and I was okay with it. So looking back, even now, I, I would I would probably struggle to, to do it the same way, but it, it helped us a lot because that gave us a basis to, to build the company from, right? We I think we and that's what that's also if you look at this topic, this topic is very complex. There's ethics, there's business, there's uh, uh, there's technology, and in order to understand what's happening, yeah, you just need a lot of time essentially, and, and you need to talk to a lot of people. So I think we spoke all in all with maybe 500 people before actually really starting to, to, to go fast with developing technology so on. Okay, so let, let's go back to that point then. Could, could you maybe tell us a bit more about so your your first meeting with, with the chicken farmer and learning about this issue for the first time? Because, I mean, you were speaking to such a range of people, something about this must have really captured your imagination. Yeah, so the chicken farmer is interesting. Um, he, he basically said for every hen that you see, we kill a, a rooster. And he didn't like that at all. And it, it didn't have anything to do with, with economics. I mean, you, you could look at it from an economical point of view, but he, there was more on an ethical side, right? He said, I don't like this. If you can solve this, you'll have something which, which is of great value. And then I started figuring out okay, how to do this. Well, in you know, sexing, uh, sexing the egg is, is quite uh, easy to come up with. I actually found out that some people had already tried it and they failed. Mm-hmm. I tried to figure out why did they fail. And then I actually moved out and talked to as many people I could find. So that's NGOs, but the, the, the industry itself. I went to hatcheries and, and to give you, a, um, for instance, an example, the first hatchery director that I met. So I, I was this prepped like university student. I had 
courses in pitching and stuff like and i was sort of almost scared to go out to them because people told me ah you need to have an elevated pitch and it's maybe you get half yeah. a minute and, and and that's it right i actually wrote down my story uh, in a paper so i could give them give it to them and say oh please read about it later but actually the first hatchery manager i spoke to he took there was a at a, at a, at a drink of the, of the industry and i i went up to him and then I, I spent like one and a half hour talking to the guy and he he, he said very clearly we, we don't like chick culling, we as an industry don't like it, but it's very hard to solve. It, technology wise, it's very hard to solve. Um, but they were super open. And for me, that was a, sort of an eye opener because I, I was expecting a very hostile environment. Uh, mm -hmm. going, oh, we don't care about it, whatever, but it was really not the case. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's the thing about chick culling. I think that what, what sets us apart from a lot of other issues, there's not so much debate about all kinds of alternatives. Right? No one likes chip calling. Uh, yeah. It's something that that came to be in the industry uh, for for good reasons, which is very hard, weird to say, right? From my point of view. But then mm -hmm. again, uh, it can also be solved. But it's a technological challenge. It was essentially to get it solved. And so we got a lot of support, uh, I think, from the from the get go. So can you tell us maybe sort of from the first initial idea stage? Then I guess you you have to go into sort of what 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 you just mentioned you know spending this year really understanding the problem figuring out a plan um, can you tell us a bit about that like what were some of the challenges you faced along the way and some of your successes as well sure so I had to figure out okay a test like that uh, what is everyone can tell you what's perfect but then the big question is what's doable uh, mm. what is acceptable, right? So that's, that there's things like price, uh, there's things like speed of the system, uh, accuracy, stuff like that. And I think I, I asked a lot of people, so what would you like to have? And then people would say, oh, I, I'd like to have a super fast test and no cost and, and stuff like that. And then I would mm -hmm. ask them, okay, that's great, but I don't think that's feasible. What do you think is good enough, right? And, and, uh, and I have a lot of these conversations, also with NGOs, for instance. Then you're talking mm -hmm. about ethics, right? And, 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 and what's, uh, what's ethical or uh, acceptable? Um, it, at the same time, I went into the lab. So actually, this is this was my master's research. So I found a, a, a great embryologist, uh, Michael Richardson, and, mm -hmm. and 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 he's a professor at Leiden University. Mike basically said, "I have a lab. You can go go about your day and and just do research. I will support you." A mm -hmm. lot of the research was uh, a big failure, right? So we tried all kinds of things, uh, and but. The, the great thing I think about working on a problem like this is that you know, okay, okay, this is a failure, fine, but uh, we'll, we'll try something else. And if we get it right, it will be very valuable, right? I think that's... Uh, yeah. Um, uh, and, and yeah, I tried to build it up as I, as I went. This took years, right? So this is not something that's, uh, that's done in a week or so. No, it's, it's meeting with people five, six times and, 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 and then only then getting to the core of the thing, right? That, that's... Uh, a lot of people expect someone to, to spill their beans in the first conversation. No, it's, yeah. it's building trust. It's actually uh, making sure you're not a threat again, right? And, and making sure you align everyone. And I was quite proud because back in 2014, we signed this declaration together with the industry, uh, the Dierenbescherming, which is the biggest NGO on, on animal welfare in the Netherlands, the government, uh, Leiden University. We signed a declaration that said, okay, we will support Innovo as a company. With, with funding and stuff and and, uh, uh, and and see whether this is possible, right? And and that was quite interesting. From there on, we picked it up, developed the technology further. We got proper investors on board. So Evonik being one of them, right? Uh, uh, super happy. 
uh, being early investors, uh, uh, really supporting this uh, going forward. We built the first machine uh, uh, to show this was, was doable. We, we placed it in, the, in a hatchery uh, and from there on picked it up. But it, it's been um, all over the place in, in terms of uh, uh, trying to figure out in terms of technology how to do it, but also trying to see, okay, but how do legislators look at it? How does the industry look at it? NGOs, what is it morally acceptable, right? That's, that's a, yeah, it's a big puzzle. And I think that's also one of the reasons why two students, that you could think, why, why didn't the big players eh, solve this at first? I think it has to do with the fact that you needed someone from outside to come into the industry and, and take up everyone's opinions without any eh, background or history, and then pick yeah. it up from there. Yeah, and sometimes it needs an outside perspective to sort of disrupt the status quo. Uh, there's problems in every industry, which I guess naturally people think of as, oh, well, that's just the way things are. That's, that's, yeah. uh, that's an issue we just have to manage rather than seeing it as an opportunity for a solution. Um, but something else interesting that I was thinking about while, while you're sort of telling the story is, I mean, for, for any business, whether it's a startup or a large established business, that you have a lot of focus on obviously developing good products, understanding your market. Um, but I mean, knowing the right people and being able to bring people together around an issue. I mean, you mentioned that you spoke to hundreds of people to, to really sort of get, a, get an understanding of the issue, um, to align all these people to make these sorts of uh, kind of cross-industry agreements. I, it sounds like that was a big part of Innovo's success. Yeah, I think if you look at it, the technology is one, right? So don't get me wrong, I am a techie, uh, let's put it like that. But techies, they, they include myself, they have the tendency to think, oh, but the technology is great, then everything will be solved. But to be honest, I think um, aligning everyone and thinking how can we make this happen uh, with all these people and uh, and thinking about everyone's uh, 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 pluses and minuses in, in doing this, right? That's that's mm -hmm. a lot more important, actually. And it also drives the te te technology development, right? Because keep in mm -hmm. mind, uh, again, that question, what's good enough in terms of technological development is very important, right? Uh, that, yeah. that, that's where you find your sweet spot. But, but aligning everyone, yeah, you have to have huge respect for people's position. I always tend to try to think from their point of view, okay, what do they want, right? So how do you look at it? And, and I think what's interesting is that uh, that's one of my investors who actually at some point said it, Mark, um, uh, it's not about um, getting people to think about, okay, uh, sh should, should, I, should I do this? In the end, the whole case should be built around them thinking, why, why am I not doing this, right? What, what, yeah. what's, what's keeping me uh, from, 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 from doing this? So we're going to take a quick break now, grab yourself a coffee, and we'll see you again in a few minutes' time. Every year, 6.5 billion chicks are killed in the worldwide poultry industry. Why? These chicks are male, they don't lay eggs, so they use in egg production. I am very proud to say that after 10 years of research and development, we're now coming out with a solution to this issue. Our technology can gender type the egg instead of the chick, preventing the eggs with the male chicks from hatching and getting culled. To scale this process, we've developed our Ella machine. It creates a tiny opening in the egg, and in less than a second, the gender of the egg is determined. The eggs are stamped, and the male eggs are removed from incubation and prevented from hatching. This machine currently operates in line in a commercial hatchery in the Netherlands. 
We're very positive about the future. We look forward to working with retailers, packers, uh, hatcheries from all around the world in solving this issue. And we can serve them with the technology to do so, to create a production channel without the need for culling of chicks. Welcome back to season one, episode two of the Science and Podcast. With me, Fazi Adam, Director of Sustainability at Ivonic Animal Nutrition, and Walter Bruins, co-founder of Innovo. And I mean, nowadays, would it be a fair statement to say that Innovo has moved from sort of the, the startup to scale-up phase? Do you think that's a good assessment for you all? Yeah, 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 yeah uh, for sure. Uh, and it has to do with the fact that um, everything, everything clicks together, right? So uh, uh, at some point, you do know, okay, how we're going to make money. The technology works, um, uh, and 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 the market demand is there, right? People want to start yeah. selling chicks. They see this is a very viable alternative to do that, uh, mm -hmm. and and I think that's something we've seen over the last year. Also in terms of funding, right? We raised uh, quite a, a large uh, funding round in the last year, uh, 34 million, and and that then uh, brings us to a stage where we can say, okay, now it's about operationally, how do we how do we scale this up, right? How do we do this? And it's it's an equal challenge, right? Uh, it's it's not so simple. Uh, on the other hand, um, I don't really have to explain that much anymore to people. Okay, we should do this. Now it's more yeah. about how do we do it and and how do we get it as fast as possible in, into the marketplace. So I mean, we're we're seeing legislation move in various European countries around this issue, and I mean, for any potential customers of yours, what, what are some of the key things they have to think about if they if they want to adopt this kind of technology? Well, what are the, the kinds of changes they might have to make to, to production systems? What, what does it mean for them on a day-to-day -day sense? Well, in, in a way, they have to start talking to people they haven't talked to in the past. Uh, if you look at the poultry production channel, hatcheries are very deep down in the, in the channel, and they are very far from retailers and, and, and consumers. Right. And suddenly there's this thing where consumers say, hey, I, I, I feel very strongly about this, that, that it's something I, I don't want in my product, which is chick culling. Um, mm -hmm. And keep in mind, people, even people that pay a lot for eggs and it can be five to six times more than a cheap egg uh, are, 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 are saying, of course, they're saying, I, I want to see chick culling removed from my production channel, right? But for mm -hmm. it's a bit of a challenge because in, in the last 20, 30 years, they, they never saw retailers or consumers. So mm -hmm. it's getting a, a feel, I think. It's getting into touch with packers, egg packers that are closely, more close linked to, to, to these consumers. Um, and, and it's sort of a moving target to them because there's us, but there's also uh, competition. They have to make yeah. up their mind, which technology do we go for? And it's not so simple, right? But then again, mm -hmm. I think what's very positive compared to 2011 is we're in a situation now which the technologies are there the demand is there, and if you play your card right, uh, you're not only solving your issue, but you're also making a lot of money. Yeah. And I think that's that's the uh, the, the the key takeaway here. I think any any hatchery in Western Europe, or the US or Australia, for instance, uh, that operates in a market where egg prices differ based on animal welfare, which they do. I urge you to look at your egg prices. I think it's a uh, uh, people hardly do that, but uh, prices differ very uh, wildly. Uh, so, yeah. in, in a region like that, should in the end uh, uh, feel like, okay, this is coming, prepare, organize, uh, get your stakeholders uh, around the table and see how you can do this. And um, uh, and But the, the examples are there now, right? So it's also good mm. to reach out to people that, that are already doing it 
to see how they did it. And I think there's many things we still need to figure out. Uh, there are other countries like the US in which you see very big integrations with lots and lots of chickens, way more than Europe. Uh, yeah. Well, that, that brings in uh, attention to, to other things, but the core of the thing, it's there, right? So uh, I, I think it's something that, that uh, hatcheries should educate themselves on. And so something else I wanted to ask you. So, I mean, sustainability is the importance of sustainability is picking up, not just in our industry and in many, many different industries, but I think this is really something that's particularly important for, for animal agriculture. Um, and I mean, improving environmental sustainability outcomes and animal welfare at the same time, it's, it's a huge challenge for, for our industry. Is this, is this something that you've measured yet? How, how this technology impacts sort of environmental outcomes as well? Yeah, yeah, we have. So it's interesting, when we started this company, of course, we, we were uh, quite naive getting into this, but a lot of people <laughs> liked what we were doing. So we, it's, it's almost the other way around. We started figuring, why do people like this so much, right? And I think mm. to do with the fact that animal welfare in the past has been sort of a gimmick, sort of a, a marketing thing, but it's actually not. I think to a lot of uh, consumers, it's actually a very uh, a, a thing they feel, feel very strong about. It's actually quite mm. measurable as well, eh, what you do in terms of animal welfare. And uh, in our industry, the egg industry, people actually pay a lot extra for animal welfare, only for animal welfare, right? So. Again, mm -hmm. eggs can be five times higher in terms of price based on the, the way the chickens are kept. Um, yeah. But then, as you said, a lot of people, they, 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 there's sort of a paradigm where people think, oh, higher animal welfare means lower efficiency, right? Which, mm. which is a huge issue because if the more we start focusing on CO2 output, which we will, eh, I hope so and I think so, it's uh, mm -hmm. going to hurt animal welfare. So I think my company, what we try to do, and we'll, we'll broaden our, our product base, right? We want to mm -hmm. focus on in, improving animal welfare and, and decreasing CO2 output at the same time, right? That's what it comes down to. Now, if you right. look at the ELA system, so it's a genotyping system, uh, there's two ways of looking at it. One is compared to the traditional uh, way of killing chicks. Well, mm -hmm. thereby we save 30% uh, of, of energy, but to be honest, in an absolute number, you're not talking about much. Uh, um, uh, it's uh, because the culling of chicks is a very efficient thing to do. It sounds really awful to say, but it is true, right? Um, yeah. But then again, Germany, for instance, stops. They, uh, uh, there's a, a law that says you cannot cull chicks anymore in Germany. And then yes. the only alternative that you have compared to in ovosexy is that you actually rear the chickens. And keep in mind, mm -hmm. this is not a theoretical exercise. People actually did this in the last two years quite a lot because the Innova sure. technical capacity was low. Um, compared to that, um, uh, basically what happens, they grow the, the males for 11, 12 weeks, and then they slaughter them. You can't really use the meat because the meat is their layers. It's, a, it's kind of tough meat. They're hard to slaughter because they're very small. Um, mm -hmm. But the environmental impact of that is super high. So uh, uh, we, we we offset by doing an oversection compared to that. Roughly speaking, 40,000 uh, kilogram tons CO2 equivalent uh, compared to rearing with one machine per year. So that, oh. that, that roughly speaking, it's 20,000 households, right? So uh, a Dutch household. So that's, that's quite a big impact. Uh, but again, that's compared to the only viable alternative to chick calling. And what I believe is there's not, there's going to be more and more countries where chick calling itself is just not acceptable anymore. 
but that's yeah. yeah that's the alternative we uh we go uh, go up against but that's that's quite substantial yeah yeah that is quite quite an enormous saving actually um but i mean as as the market develops and this sort of becomes more more widespread um do you see sort of the environmental advantages being maintained as as more and more um organizations take up this kind of technology and i mean what's what's next for the future of Innova? how how do you see the market developing maturing um what what are your thoughts on that well what's interesting in the in the last funding round is we got uh, uh we got new investors on board and i think the investors that i have feel very feel that sustainability is very important and it's not a again it's not a gimmick it's something that's that that should be part of any business right and and that's also something we see with the banks for instance right if you look at financing we are we have a green loan uh, uh meaning uh the banks are are more than willing to, to finance these machines and again this is very important because the, the more we can finance the more machines we put in the field the easier it is also for the, for the industry to, to do this um so it, i think going forward this is going to be crucial for for many businesses right you cannot keep producing uh, uh in a traditional manner you, you need to do it in a sustainable a sustainable way um right. so looking looking forward what i think is going to happen is that we'll see more and more of these projects that we do we, we see them as projects they're quite big projects big machines there's lots of uh, production uh lots of chicks um uh that we see uh, successful projects going going forward and we will probably see a, a domino effect of uh, other markets seeing this uh understanding okay hey, these guys are solving the issue and uh, making a ton of money doing so i need to do this as well right and it's also something we so we and we we don't only see that in western europe we get uh, people calling from all around the world now but it's quite fascinating right and that's something I, I didn't really see coming right so when i started doing this i figured this might be a western europe thing maybe we can push it and and, and go down in pricing and then go out but again uh, a, a country like chile i will be in, in colombia uh beginning of november uh speaking to clients uh, okay. uh i spoke to u.s clients this week um i think the topic is uh, uh is something that that's that they will go much further than than everyone expects i think but then again uh it's an operational challenge right placing machines all around the world is something that we have to learn as a company uh we have to okay. get better at so yeah, that's that, that's going to be I think the the big biggest bottleneck in this case. Okay, interesting. So the future looks bright. Great. Well, I mean, thank you so much for your time, telling us a bit about sort of your your personal story, what made you so interested in this issue, and sort of all of the things that that you've learned while while you've developed the technology and developed the company. I mean, is that do you have sort of a final final two final couple of sentences you want to share with with our audience? Uh, yeah, I think if I um, think about it, if I summarize, right, first of all, if you're relatively young, and you want to start a business, just do it, right? Don't don't think you need another 30 years to do it. I think there's plenty of problems in the world that need solving. And when I was a little kid, I always thought like, oh, there's there's many people that control the world and they think about this stuff and whatever. It's really not the case, right? So So I have been in the situation where um, looking at the chick calling problem, at some point we were almost the only ones in the world that knew about it, cared about it, worked on it, and were sort of the problem owners. I, I think there's many of these issues that are waiting for someone to take up the issue and actually solve it. Uh, and then if I look back 
yeah, we took risk. Yes, it was hard work, but it's so much fun to be doing this, right? So uh, it's it's something that people look at it and, and go like, oh, there's a mountain to climb. Yeah, that's true. But then again, I think the view is pretty good from up here, right? That's 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 also the case. So it's I would urge people to to be a bit a bit less risk averse and just uh, go out, pick a problem, and and, and see it. It's your own and solve it. I mean, that's a really inspiring story and a great way to finish up. I mean, I'm feeling pretty ready for the day now myself. <laughs> so, so thank you so much, Martin, for sharing all of that with us. Um, and I guess we'll we'll leave it there for today. So thanks again for your time. And yeah, all the best. Thank you very much. So this is the end of today's podcast. Don't forget to listen to our next episode for another topic on sustainability in the animal nutrition industry. To know more about Evonik Animal Nutrition, visit www.animal-nutrition.evonik.com. The Sciencing Podcast, a production of Evonik Animal Nutrition. Evonik, leading beyond chemistry.